on episode 62 of the High Performance Leadership Podcast, The Five Levels of Authority. How do we start to empower our employees and give them responsibility in a way that's responsible and there's somewhat of a framework around it? You're listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast, insights and information from world-class leadership experts. Okay, Chip. So yesterday we were having a little staff meeting and you talked about this concept that came up and I felt like when I heard it, it's something that everyone knows, but sometimes people don't put words to it. Can you kind of explain this concept? Yeah. So it's basically how the principles of how to empower employees. And the tough part about empowerment is it's got to start with a foundation of trust. You know, if you don't trust an employee, you can't empower them. Mm -hmm. But if you are a senior leader and you have a group of new leaders that are kind, trying to evolve and you're trying to give up some of the power that you have and responsibility and empower them, you want to be able to do it, but you also want to be able to trust them. And so there's a balancing act between giving up responsibility or empowering them and not confusing, just dumping work on them and saying, I trust you, get it done and true empowerment. So we were talking about the different phases of empowerment or kind of how it works and the principles of it. So in some of the programs that we teach and around leadership and team development, the principles of empowerment kind of start with the foundation of, again, going back to our trust program. There's three major components of trust, which is competence, compassion, and integrity. And those three things make up trust. And we've talked about that in other podcasts. But once that's been established, and we know that we have a foundation of trust, then how do we start to empower our employees and give them responsibility in a way that's responsible and there's somewhat of a framework around it? And so that's what we were talking about yesterday. So mm -hmm. first is what we do is we start with looking at, okay, what's all the work that needs to be done? Is this beginner, intermediate, or advanced type stuff? And who are we going to assign to each of these projects? And, right. who, and who's going to do it? And if we are, then we, we really look at what we call, you know, kind of a basic flow chart of the elements of how we're going to empower people. So the First is we have to have a clear role and description of what this person is going to do. Right. Right. And we have to make sure that they understand it and they, and we understand it. Then we set up our boundaries and the conditions around it. And this is where it gets a little confusing in a sense, or mm -hmm. kind of a graduation phase. So what we do is we explain the expectations and the results that we're looking for and what we want and the non-negotiables are defined, what lines can and cannot be crossed. And then we talk about the authority levels. And so there's five different levels of authority. The first is act when directed. So we know these kind of people. These are the people that say, okay, I've been given a job to do and now I've completed that job. So maybe they, you know, they lean back in their chair and they count the number of holes in the ceiling tiles and wait for the next job to come along. I feel like I knew a lot of these type of leaders and employees in the military. It's, yep. you know, when you have a job for me, let me know. If not, I'll sit and twiddle my thumbs. That's right. And social media today has filled in counting ceiling ties. Well, as soon as I get my job done, I'm just going to go straight to social media, see what's going on. And I'm just going to sit here and watch mindless videos and, and scroll through mindless hours of Facebook feeds and wait to be directed again. So right. that's, that's what we call kind of level one. Level two is act after approval. I know there's something I need to be doing, but I'm not going to do it until I get approval from somebody else that, that I'm allowed to start doing it right now act after approval. So then there's level three and that's act after consultation. So I know there's things I could be doing besides social media and, and watching YouTube videos. So maybe I should ask other people, look, I think I really should be doing this. What do you think? Let get feedback from other people. And that's kind of that in between spot between act after directed or 
uh, act after approval, that act with consultation is you're kind of starting to look for stuff to do, but you still don't want to do it without talking to others. Then level four is act and report. So I now am at a point where I can take action. I can do things. I, I feel empowered, but I still want to report back and say, here's what I did just to keep you in the loop, Mr. and Mrs. Leader. And I want you to know what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm going to take on that responsibility, but I'm also going to report back. And then level five is act autonomously, meaning I'm going to go out, I'm going to act. I don't feel the need to report. It's not that I'm not going to. And if I'm asked, I definitely will, but I'm to a level now where I feel good about my job. I can act. I can act autonomously. I don't have to get approval. I don't have to report back, but I do because I want to, not because I feel required to. And, and how do we get people to that level? How do we get, you know, when we say empowerment, how do we make sure that we can get them to that level? Now, here's the interesting part, and this is where it happens quite a bit in, in a lot of organizations that don't understand it. They think empowerment means, well, I'm just going to go, uh, because I have so much on my plate, I'm going to go to some other employees and dump stuff on their plate and say, look, go for it. Take this off my plate, run with it. You are empowered to do whatever you want, <laughs> right? And then that employee doesn't do, do it the way we think they should do it. So then we come back with a sledgehammer and go, what in the world are you doing? You know, I gave you this responsibility because I thought you could handle it, but you haven't. So, you know, we fix the problem with a sledgehammer and hammer them over the head. So they don't feel empowered. Now they go backwards. And even though they could take the ball and run with it, they act only when directed because the last time they did it without direction, it really bit them in the rear end. So there seems to be like lots of different pitfalls in this. Like if you have more competence in what you're supposed to be doing, you can do more and you can do it without needing approval or consultation. And you need to have more trust to make sure that someone's going to do that. But you also need to not have that fear that might come from like, oh, I'm going to screw this up. You know, so it kind of it, it seems like it's something that the leader and the employee need to work on because both need to have different aspects. Absolutely. So think of it as parenting. So you have kids and mm -hmm. so do I. So, you know, when you start, the first step is act when directed. I'm not going to let my son go out as a toddler and play in the backyard by himself unless he asks for permission. No, right. you cannot go out of the house without me telling you it's okay. Mm -hmm. Well, as he gets a little bit older, he may come to me and say, dad, can I go out in the backyard? And if I say yes, with approval, then he can go out. Then he might talk to his siblings. You, you all think it's okay to go outside? Do you think mom and dad would be upset if we went outside? And then he gets older and older. And now he goes outside and he comes back in and says, hey, I've been outside. And after a while, he can go outside and play in the yard anytime he wants to without approval, without having to tell me and report back. He can just do it. If I ask, he'll tell me the truth, but that, you know, he doesn't, he's not required to. And that, that simple analogy is how trust is built over a period of time through leaders and employees as well. The underlying foundation we've talked about is trust, but on the employee side, there's also an underlying foundation. And that is they have to have competence, but they also have to have a willingness to want to take more initiative and do more. Mm -hmm. There, as we know, there's employees that act when directed because that's all they want to do mm -hmm. is act after directed. I mean, they're not looking to take on initiative. They're not looking to do more. And so that willingness to want to do more is part of the equation on the employee side. I'm not going to rag on 
individuals, but I've worked in the past in television news mm -hmm. and as a cameraman. And so a lot of times it's similar to a firefighter where until something happens, there's really not anything for you to do, but you need to be there. You need to be available. So a lot of people that I worked with, especially that had been there a while, they kind of would play mindless computer games. They'd watch TV and they would just kind of sit back there and wait. And you know, that is how their job works. So that's okay. But I can't think of anything worse than being somewhere, but not having anything to do. Like you have to be here, but there's nothing for you to do. That mm -hmm. just sounds like hell on earth. To yeah. Me. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not a problem here. That's for sure. Yeah. But. So I would talk to my, the producers and stuff that, that worked with me and I'd say, are there any stories that you have that maybe I can take from a, you know, a small little video clip that the anchor would read and make it into an, a full length story. And that will take more of my time. You know, are there things coming up that I can prepare for? Can I help somebody else with their live shot or something like that? Like mostly because I didn't want to be bored. Yeah. But that's showing initiative. That's right. saying I, I, I want to be valuable. I want to. It might be a little self-serving that you don't want to be bored. But for the <laughs> most part, it is, it's, you know, I want to contribute. Right. I want to be valuable. I want to provide. And so that's where trust is built. So a leader says, okay, this guy's got some initiative. He wants to he wants to work at it. Great. And so the level of empowerment after you prove yourself over a period of time gets more and more to where I know I can send Randy out and not worry about what he's going to be doing because he's he's focusing on providing value. And that's that's where that level of empowerment is built on trust, but then also on your ability to do it. And so you need to have knowledge and information, right? You need to be able to know what you, you're doing. You have to have skills. You have to have the resources available to you to mm -hmm. be able to do those things. You need to have the support from your leader. And all of these components or principles are part of empowerment. And so many times I work with leaders that say, oh yeah, I empower my people all the time. Then I talk to the people and they say, if you call just him showing up, barking orders and leaving and then just having us try and figure it out on the way. If, if that's what he or she calls empowerment, well, yeah, he's, he's world's best empowerer. Uh, but, but we need skills. We need support. We need resources. We need the tools to be able to do the job effectively. Otherwise it doesn't feel like empowerment. It feels like he's avoiding, you know, leading us. Mm -hmm. And, and when I work with leaders, that's one of the first things I try to get them to understand is that, Trust is paramount. Nothing else matters if we don't trust each other. And if you feel like trust is starting to slip, you got to go right back to working on that. But once trust is there, then empowerment is so much easier right. to be able to delegate responsibility to other people and trust that they'll be able to do it. So I've worked with someone previously, and this might be a difficult situation on the other end of it. She was somebody who took initiative and was always doing stuff, but sometimes didn't have the priorities straight or didn't ask for further communication about what the actual priorities were. So she was running 100 miles a minute all the time, looking like she's doing a lot, but maybe it's going in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. So how do you work on that sort of situation? Again, going back to trust, you, you need to be able to say, all right, I want to make sure that I'm not busy versus productive mm -hmm. because there is a difference. And like you just mentioned, there's people that get really, really busy and they're doing a whole lot of stuff, but then the leader comes back and says, what have you been working on? And they've worked on something that isn't the goal. It's as much the leader's responsibility as it is the person who's been working to get back together, clarify what is it we're supposed to be focusing on? What are we supposed to be doing? So what we do is we have another piece of the program that we take leaders through that talks about making empowerment happen. And it's an exercise where we have them go through five steps. And the first is describe the responsibility that you would like the individual to assume and ask that person how they feel about taking it on. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so sometimes we think empowerment is just sloughing work on other people and saying, okay, it. yeah, we've empowered you to do my job, right? <laughs> so that's not so really... I can hit the links. That's exactly. <laughs> so step one is if we're going to make empowerment stick and happen and work, number one is describe what it is you want them to do and ask them, do you, is this something you feel like you can do and you want to take on and how do you feel about taking it on? Is mm-hmm. it something you can handle? Then number two is we have what we call a empowerment matrix, And it's a really simplistic form that says, it describes, here's what we talked about. Here are the non-negotiables, kind of the boundaries of what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do on this. Here's kind of the time frame. Here's the resources that are available to you. And then, you know, here's kind of what the goal is of what we're trying to get accomplished. And it, all it is is really kind of a one page, simple form to help us understand you've been given this project. Let's work on this. Right. Then we move to step three and that's discuss the possible barriers or obstacles that are going to hinder their ability to take this and be proud of moving it forward. Mm -hmm. So, all right, what are some of the problems that could come up? And in that as well, you know, for me to be able to do this, I need three or four other people to help me because they have technical expertise, whatever the case might be. And that might be a problem because they seem to be out a lot or, or this is new. I've never done it before. So as a leader, how, how much are you going to be able to be here in the beginning to support me and help me? Or, you know, we need to buy new software to be able to do this. So you talk through those kind of things. Then you move to step four, which is ask the person what support is needed from you personally, from Mm -hmm. you as a leader, what can I do to make sure that you take the ball and run with this thing and make sure that you understand that. And then the last step is review the understanding of what is expected and, you know, set goals together and a plan to review progress along the way so that we know where the benchmarks are. Because sometimes we say, Hey, here's a project you're empowered run with it. And you don't know if you have two weeks, two months, two years. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking two weeks, you're thinking two years. I come back in two weeks and go, what the, <laughs> you, we haven't even started. You got to be kidding me. It should have been done by now. Yeah. So we, we clarify that kind of stuff. Right. I think of it like I've worked for people before that are kind of micromanagers and they don't show you or share with you the big picture. And it really makes the process very start and stop. So I think of it like cars and traffic. You know, if you have that one car, when the light turns green, that's at the front that doesn't go immediately and holds up all the other cars and then cars behind them don't you know, get to go through the intersection. It just makes the process take so much longer. And if they would just say, you know, when the light turns green, we go because we have this far to go on our road trip, it would be much easier for everyone. Yeah. The thing that I find is the most common with leaders is they come in and they say to their team, look, I'm going to be out of town for a week or I'm going to be working on other stuff. I trust y'all. I, you are empowered to take the ball and run with this project, knock it out of the park. So then the leader leaves for a week or two and, or just as focused on their own stuff and they come back and they say, okay, where are we at? And the team says, here's what we did. And the leader says, oh my goodness, what the heck? That is not even close to what we were doing. (laughs) All right, from now on, you only do after you get approval from me. Because obviously you don't know what you're doing, so you got to get approval from me. Right. What's happening here? Empowerment in the leader's mind is, I'm going to give you the responsibility to do the job, but I want you to do it my way. But they're not giving any feedback, any support, any guidance along the way. So are they really empowering them or are they really just saying, I'm too busy to deal with it right now. You give it a shot. See if you can figure it out and mind read what I want. And when I come back, I'm going to be frustrated and say, we're going to go, I'm giving you level five empowerment, mm-hmm. but I'm going to come back and, and manage you at a level one empowerment if it's not done the way I want it done. And it creates a bottleneck where no one can really get things done in a timely manner because they're always having to wait for the approval of the supervisor. Right. And so to truly get to a point where people are empowered, 
going through those five steps is the natural progression of how you really build, you know, again, with a child from infancy all the way through, it's spaced repetition of understanding boundaries and understanding feedback and understanding trust. And, and over a period of time, you get to a point where your kids can go play in the backyard, not even have to ask permission because it's been earned over a period of time through, you know, trial and error. How do you deal with the situation where maybe a leader hasn't been a leader very long and they're told, you know, you have all these tasks that you're responsible for, you need to delegate them out. And that leader feels like, well, I'm the only one who does these at an acceptable level and giving these tasks out to somebody underneath me is going to take them either take them longer to learn the process in the first place and I might as well have done it myself or the quality is not going to be there for what I expect. How, how do you get around that? Yeah, that's pretty common. In that, what we really do is we, we, we talk about different leadership roles and we have five different leadership roles that we coach them on and, and becoming an effective leader is a skill just like learning how to program software or play a musical instrument. It just doesn't happen because you've been given a title. It's skills that you have to work on to modify behavior. And so we look at them and say, okay, to be an effective leader, yes, we know technically you're much more competent right now than the employee that you're trying to delegate this responsibility to. So in the beginning, you have to be more supportive and and more of a coaching role. And it is going to take more time Mm -hmm. to to help teach them and support them and give them what they need to be able to do the job at the level that you need to. And I know you're busy and I know it's inconvenient, but if you don't take the time to teach and coach and mentor, then there's a pretty good chance that you will as a leader stay a a manager, not a leader. And a manager is someone who does holds on to that. Nobody can do it better than I can. So I'm no sense training someone else, dude. I'm just going to, add more work to my plate because nobody can do it as good as I can. I remember someone telling me once, they're like, if you're the only person who can do what you do, that is job security, but you also can't take a vacation. That's right. And you, <laughs> and you're not a leader. You are the person that is responsible for that job. And so you can't leave. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's interesting. Everybody wants to be empowered. Everybody feels they should be empowered. Mm-hmm. And there's very few people who don't want to be empowered. They want to be successful. They want to feel good about their job. They want to have that freedom and autonomy to make decisions on their own. It's just earned over a period of time. And I believe leaders need to understand a framework. And that's what we teach in our programs of how do I delegate and empower employees, but have a process to follow so that it doesn't blow up. Those employees that are on the lower end you were talking about earlier who say, you know, I don't want more responsibility. I I like to be directed. I feel like the argument from them is if I don't have a higher level of responsibility, if things don't work out, I won't be held accountable as much. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying that every employee should have full autonomy and empowerment because it doesn't always necessarily work out. That's, again, kind of that discernment as a leader to know who's showing initiative, who's showing willpower. Yeah. We're all different. Who wants more responsibility? And should I empower them because I trust that they're going to do the job because their competence level is high, but their willingness is high as well. They're, you know, they, they're asking for it. They're looking for more responsibility. They thrive on, just like you said, in the newsroom, there's people that wait to be told and wait to be directed. And then there's people that say, I know I can add more value. What I'm tired of being bored. Help me, tell me, give me something else to do. Cause I want to add more value to be that leader and to ferret out who 
has the potential and who doesn't. I think of it similar to like surfing. You have to be able to sit out there and look at the waves as they come in and be able to judge which one's going to be a really nice breaking wave and which one's you're not going to be able to hit, you know, it's at the wrong position. Yep. So you got to sit there and kind of look at everybody that's under you and say, this person, yes, they are ready. Or this person, they're not ready yet, but they have high potential. Or this person here, you know, we've tried for years and it's not really working out, but they have their place in the organization as someone who likes to be directed. Absolutely. And on one of our upcoming podcasts, I'll talk about situational leadership. It's been around for a number of years. Blanchard's probably the one that made it most popular a number of years ago, but in situational leadership, it's what you're talking about. It's treating each and every individual employee differently and leading situationally. It's not one size fits all. Right. And so it's a really unique model that we'll talk about one of the upcoming podcasts. I can't wait to hear it. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. Every little bit helps. Our website is hpleadershippodcast.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hpleadershippodcast. Follow us on Twitter at hpl underscore podcast. And shoot us an email at podcast at 360solutions.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.